It's Tuesday, June 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Deep Value, Ron Gross. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's summer, kind of, soon. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's getting warm. It's getting warm. It's we're a little get, rainy. We're getting a little bit of the thunderstorms. But that was just typical around here. You know That's how what we do. You know how I know it's getting warm. Uh, <laughs> because the, the temperature's a- hotter. The AC in my house went out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so which is perfect. Uh, you like, have my condolences. That, you can bunk up with me. Um, Slid the rest of your family. Uh, yeah, I think we're just going to get the fans out of the attic and plug them in and just do what we. There's can. people that you can hire to fix those things. I hear. Right. Someone, someone's coming <laughs> okay. later today, so we better wrap this up quick. Um, we're going to talk Apple. Uh, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. Let's start with Lululemon Athletica. Sure. Uh, first quarter revenue up 10%. That was better than expected. Stock doing well. You tell me. You looked at the quarter. <laughs> you tell me. This, this was, was this this a solid quarter. This looked pretty good. Now, this is a company, for those that are not familiar with Lululemon, that are not is not without its controversies. Yes. 20, 2013 was, was tough. Um, some poor statements from its founder and the CEO resigning and some recall of products, and they've been trying to get back on track really ever since. Um, things are looking up, however. This was a solid quarter. You did have same store sales down 1%, but most importantly, you had online sales up 31%. That's a big number. They beat expectations. They raised full-year outlook. Um, the stock has been reflecting the fact that the company is doing well. It's up about 17% this year, about 45% over the last full year. Um, so the company is getting out of its out of its doldrums, um, and they are really uh, continuing with the turnaround efforts, which which, as I see it, focuses on a, on four things: they're expanding their product line, they're improving their supply chain or attempting to, and they're trying to grow their international business and their men's business. I'm less convinced about the men's business, quite frankly. I think this is a largely um, a woman a women's audience, um, but we'll see what they put out there, and we'll see how how accepted it is. But turnaround continues. Stock's not that cheap, in, in my opinion. We're at um, about $65, let's call it. That's about 33 times earnings, 19 times EBITDA, which is a, a simplistic measure of cash flow. So, not not a stock for me, but I think they're doing a nice job. I want to get to the online in a second, but how are their, when you talk about their supply chain challenges that they've had, Walk me through this one more time because this the the West Coast shipping delays, the West Coast ports, because yeah. that's something that I think I remember first hearing. I think you were the first person yeah, I had heard I, this about a, a, a few months ago. That was and my I, big thing, and I just sort of um, not because of you, but <laughs> right. I just sort of thought, well, that's the West Coast. That's way over there. How, how big a problem can that be? And it seems like one of those stories that probably could use a little bit more attention. Yeah, the, the two kind of macro things. Whenever anybody asks me what's going on this year, I say West Coast ports and foreign currency. Those are the things that pop out in my head. The West Coast ports, there was uh, labor disputes, um, and things were not getting offloaded off of ships, and they were not making it into the hands of retailers, which was was quite troubling, and it really could potentially have had a major impact on the economy as it flowed through. Um, Luckily, the government stepped in and and kind of resolved the issues for now, and people were able to get back to work, and and the ships were able to be offloaded. Um, But still, there was quite a backlog Um, in retail, especially fashion retail, especially. It can cause a problem because if you miss the season, guess what? You've missed the season. It's not like you can put the summer stuff on the the shelves in the winter or or what have you. 
But for the most part, we've worked through it. Companies like that I cover, Periellis, for example, really took it on the chin as a result, and, and many other retailers, including Lululemon. But we seem to be behind it. You mentioned the online sales up 31%. And I know that this is, as you said, this is not a cheap stock. But it seems this seems like one of those retailers that if they can continue to grow online, that could be... Am I wrong to no, think you that, are that, right. that could be real? I mean, obviously, any retailer wants to grow their online, or just about any retailer wants to grow their online sales. But this seems like if if the customers like the product, they they don't need to go in the store. They know what size they are. They you know, and it's just a click of a button. If they're happy with it, that seems like that could really bump things up for Lululemon Athletica. I, I will not disagree with you, which in a sense means I agree with you. And I think, really, I just mentioned the stock wasn't cheap, and I, I said 30 times earnings. Um, in the scheme of things, that's actually not a ridiculous number. I mean, you know, 10 or 15 times is cheap, 15 to 20, you know, you're getting there. 30 times a little bit expensive. What I don't like to do is pay up for retail stocks especially, because retail is a really tough business. It ebbs and flows, things go in and out of fashion. And so I try to stay, you know, more certainly more on the value side when I think of retail. But I think it says something about the brand loyalty or the job that Lululemon is doing on that front that they're still putting up these types of numbers because if you think back just a couple of years ago, one of the narratives with this company was, well, okay, they've proven that people will pay a hundred dollars for high-end yoga wear. Now here comes the competition. Now here comes Nike, Under Armour, and that sort of thing. And I'm not saying the last two years have been great for Lulu Athletic. <laughs> no, but I think the brand has persisted, and and I think you you can see that show up in the numbers once they put the the really bad <laughs> bad 2013 behind them. They didn't kill the brand, which is so incredibly important for a company like this. I mentioned to you earlier today. I wanted to talk a little bit about Apple, but yep. n- not necessarily about the announcements that they made at the Worldwide Developer Conference. Although, as expected. Tim Cook, the CEO, unveiled the music service. There was some stuff with Apple Pay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Evan New, who's uh, one of our writers, has an article up on Fool.com talking about his takeaways. I guess the iPad now has a, a split screen, which is, I, I guess, a good thing. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's not, Evan, a, not a bad thing. Evan, Evan seems to think that's a big thing, and, and I take his word at it because he knows a lot more about this company than I do. But I was saying to you that I. I, I I feel like Tim Cook just continues to take these shots. There was some uh, someone on CNBC who was uh, in advance of the event yesterday was saying, "Well, I sure hope Tim Cook has an ace up his sleeve." And and <laughs> it's like, what does this guy have to well, do? Well, right? yeah, and that it just of sort of gets me to the you know when it comes to management, at what point should we be should we as investors be giving our trust right. to say, look? No one's going to hit a home run every single quarter, every single worldwide developer conference. If you're right. if you're someone like Apple or or Google or or Microsoft with your developer conferences, but I don't know. I I feel like in a relatively short amount of time, right. Tim Cook should have earned the benefit of the doubt. I think a couple things uh, come to mind. One is that they did have a few missteps, and they did have a few of these highly anticipated announcements that kind of fell 
on deaf ears. They were kind of a dud, um, and those were in his, his earlier time. The second is that we are giving an example of perhaps the most extreme one you can come up with, following in Steve Jobs' footsteps. Uh, is there anything more difficult? Maybe Warren Buffett's one day. Um, so, boy, we're really talking about the extreme example. But Tim Cook, um, to his, um, you know, um, I can't think of the word, benefit, um, he really got it done, and he didn't get flustered, and he stuck to his knitting, and they put out some products that people wanted to buy, and that's what you need to do. This stock is up 140% since he became CEO back in August of 2011. Um, for for quite a while after he was became CEO, and during a couple of those kind of dud announcements, people were saying it's done. Apple's not a growth stock anymore. If you want to buy it, fine, but it's a value stock now. It isn't a. It's 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 not a grower. Well, you know what? It is a grower. Stock has reflected that. Obviously, the earnings are unparalleled in the history of of commerce. Um, the cash hoard is unparalleled. Stock's only a sixteen times earnings even now. Um, so Tim gets um, my benefit of the doubt, uh, certainly. And back to your earlier point, when do you start to trust the CEO? Um, for the most part, we won't be talking about these extreme examples. It's CEOs, hopefully with good backgrounds, coming in, taking the helm from someone that either was doing a great job or not. It depends. And it also depends what the state of the business is when you take control. Are you taking control of something that needs to be turned around? Are you, or are you taking control of something that's firing on all cylinders, if you will? And boy, you better not screw it up. Um, for the most part, I, I go in thinking, um, trust but verify. I, I trust this guy. The board put him in place. They know more about the situation than I do. But let's see how he executes. If over a reasonable period of time he's not getting it done, well, well then my trust obviously would would go down. Well, and you make a great point about longevity because the longer someone has a track record, I mean, I'll I'll just give two examples. Uh, Brian Cornell has been CEO at Target for I think less than a year. Yeah. I think it was August of last year that he took over. He's done a tremendous job, but to, to touch on something you just mentioned, he was coming in after the the Steinhoffel debacle, you know, Greg Steinhoffel just <laughs> right. did did not do well running that company, and the stock reflected it. So in Cornell, great rookie season, but you want to see if he can keep that going. On the flip side, Sally Smith, who's been running Buffalo Wild Wings right. for I think I have this right, I think it's sixteen years. Forever, she's right. been, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 north of fifteen years. I know that that she's been the CEO. And that's, I mean, you look at her track record there, and she is so experienced and so unflappable that, and I don't own that. Be a tough act to follow. I don't, I don't own that stock, but that's one where I feel like anyone who gets flustered about that company while she's at the helm, I just want to say, relax, Sally. Sally's got this. But you're right. Whoever, if at some point (laughs) she decides she wants to just retire. Take a little time for herself, then someone's going to have a tough act to follow. Right. That reminds me of like a Costco, for example, perhaps an extreme example because Jim Senegal was so beloved, at least for, for folks who kind of follow this types of, of stuff. Um, just a wonderful merchant and CEO. And when his successor came in, whose name is Craig Jellin. Thank you. Came in, people were like, okay, good luck here, my friend. But he's done a fine job. And he's what he hasn't done, he hasn't changed that culture that Senegal developed. Um, he's just kept, stayed the course, the company continues to execute. And I remember when Senegal was here. Yeah. And I, uh, I want to say it was maybe 2009 or something like that. I, I asked him, as delicately as you can ask someone <laughs> who is 
approaching the a reasonable age of retirement, I asked him essentially about do you have a plan in place? And he basically said, yeah, we got it. Yeah. You know, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> the we plan got is it. we're not going to screw it up. Right. Exactly. Right. By the way, he's going to be at our event in Seattle. Oh, that's The great. Motley Fool One event. Tom Gardner is going to be interviewing him. If it opens up to Q&A, do you, do you have a question you want me to ask? Cynical? Uh, uh, to me, the, the, if you're, the, the story remains the same, except for where we go internationally. I think that really is going to drive what happens to the stock over the next five and ten years. So, maybe a little color on that. All right. Radio at Fool.com is our email address. Question from AJ in Jacksonville. I took your advice from a few months ago and went long Crocs. I'm glad I did, because it's up around 8% since then. Just curious, do you see this as a turnaround, or did you pick them based on fundamentals? Was so this was something I I'm pretty sure you mentioned this as a stock on your radar exactly. on, on the Motley Fool Money Radio Show. Yeah. Um, to his question, is this a turnaround sure. or was this just a I'm I'm a value investor, I'm looking at the fundamentals, and this is a cheap stock? The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what it was, it was originally a a somewhat typical value investment where I felt that the fundamentals were actually stronger than investors were giving the company credit for, and therefore the stock was undervalued. But subsequent to that uh, recommendation, which is, is a couple of years, several years old at this point, um, a lot of things have gone on. And, and w- most important is a $200 million investment by the Blackstone Group, um, as well as the Blackstone Group putting in uh, a CEO. And as a result, the company um, undertaking several strategic initiatives, which I guess we can put under the category of turnaround, um, but it's really uh, initiatives to drive growth, drive profitability. So the word turnaround isn't exactly right, um, but it's 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 a value enhancing proposition, such as eliminating non core products and closing underperforming stores, reducing headcount, buying back stock. Um, I feel even more confident about this thesis and this investment now that the Blackstone Group is behind it. Um, let's face it, they have $200 million at risk in this investment. They're going to protect it. The CEO is not just a finance guy from Blackstone. He's actually has deep roots in, in, the, in the industry, in the, in the footwear industry. So, I like it a lot. We're really only at $15 a share now. I think it's worth at least 20 Actually, if they get the job done with these initiatives, probably more than that. But for now, I see probably 30% upside from here, and then we'll reevaluate as time goes by. What role does international play in the Crocs thesis? It's it's important. It's an important growth driver, and one of the things they needed to do was get it right. It was kind of a mess, and one of the four or five initiatives that they've undertaken over the last six months is to simplify those operations, which sometimes means paring it down before you can grow it back up again. But that's definitely one of the things they need to focus on. Radio at Fool.com is our email address. You can also follow us on Twitter, at MarketFoolery. You can follow Ron Gross on Twitter. Wow. It's at RonGross144. He's worth following, even though he doesn't tweet that much. Is it at RonGross144 or at Ron144? I think it's at well, it's your Twitter account. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, tells you how often Ron checks his Twitter but account. But I answer all tweets. You know what? I'll, I'll put it out on the MarketFoolery Twitter account. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.